Hey everyone, this is Allison Lee, your host here from CraftCast.com, and on today's show I'll be talking with Todd Henry, author of the book The Accidental Creative, How to Be Brilliant at a Moment's Notice, as well as I have a book to review and some new apps I love to share, so let's get started. Show number 161. Starting the day again, oh yeah, letting the sun shine in, uh uh-oh. I'm gonna dig within myself Uh oh Life may be never what you think But I think I'll just go with it And create something new Just get yourself right into your chair Come on, listen, you can learn to create Hey everyone, this is Allison Lee, back again for another week here from CraftCast.com, sharing with you all kinds of creative uh, tips and information and books and all kinds of fun stuff. So always glad to uh, come back here in the studio and record a show for all of you. Uh, Today, 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 I am talking with author Todd Henry. He wrote a book called The Accidental Creative. I love that. The Accidental Creative, How to Be Brilliant at a Moment's Notice. Very interesting book. So he's going to be coming on shortly. Uh, and you'll hear my, my chat I had with him. Uh, but to start, I have another book I wanted to share with you uh, first. A, um, a book that I got in the mail just the other day called Ring-A-Day. I love that. Ring-A-Day. 700 photos from a 365-day jewelry challenge by Marthe Levan. I believe that's how she says it, the French way. Uh, What a great book to have in your arsenal of things to look at to get some, you know, when you want to just feel, let me look at something and get those creative juices going. You know, you just want to get your brain. It's like coffee for the, for the creative brain. (laughs) That's what it is. You know, sometimes I need coffee in the morning just to get going. Then I have books to get the creative brain going. So this is one of those chock full with lots of my favorite people. Uh, all kinds of rings they made every day, great little pictures. So it will definitely, uh, just get your, your brain going done like a, uh, workbook type idea. Uh, and some of the things are hysterical. I'm looking at a balloon ring and a bobbin ring and you know, what a great exercise for the brain. Great exercise. So check that out. Ring a day by Marth Levan. Uh, and then I have some apps to share with you that you can put on your uh, iPad, your iPhone, your Droid. And this one, uh, I'm not sure if it's for Droids, this one, to tell you the truth, but it's definitely for iPhone and iPads. It's called Snapseed, which I love that name. And if you take lots of pictures with your iPhone, uh, which I do, I love having that, uh, this is a oh, it falls under the category of Photoshop somewhere in there. It's lots of fun preset filters and saturation controls, so you can really add some fun effects to your little phone uh, photos. I know I've talked about some of these other apps before, and I love it. I love taking a photo like that and then um, uh, uploading it to Facebook or Twitter or to a friend or, you know, great fun. So check that one out, Snapseed. As well as another one, this one really I find interesting. It's a great tool called Storyist. 
again, come over to craftcast.com. If um, you're driving or working out at the gym and don't have a pencil right now, I'll have all the links there. Storyist is a writing app. So if you're writing a manuscript or a screenplay, and it has all the visuals like index cards to break down your chapters and then within those index cards for ideas and then the area where you write. And it all has all kinds of um, auto formatting so that your manuscript comes out in the right format to submit. Hello, I love that kind of thing. So check that one out. That one was a little more expensive. Uh, I think it was in the $9 area, but Storyist. Love these kind of tools. Um, so that's it and some things I wanted to share with you this week. Uh, make sure you do come over though to the craftcast.com site to sign up for the weekly newsletter. Uh, this week's that went out. I have um, video tips every week. And the video tip there this week is basically, why can't I get to all my overwhelming, wonderful, creative ideas? So I do a little chat about that and, and give you a great tool that you have already and you've forgotten about that you can use to uh, help make some of your great ideas into reality. So check out the newsletter. And if you're not getting that, you have to go to the craftcast.com site in the lower left-hand corner. You can uh, sign up for it, which you should do anyway, because coming up soon, I'm just telling you, I'm working on a great lineup of classes. I know I mentioned this last week for live classes starting in the fall, but they just keep getting better. As I start seeing what everyone now wants to teach and their outline and their photos, I'm telling you, I'm excited. <laughs> so uh, I will start letting out more of that information, hopefully by next week, as it's a little more solidified. And then the list of all the classes will be up at the craftcast.com site uh, in the beginning of September. Yahoo. I am typing as fast as I can to get that all done. Uh, and what else? I think that's everything I wanted to cover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so before we get to today's guest, Mr. Todd Henry, with his wonderful book, The Accidental Creative, uh, I have a song for you from an artist, uh, the name of her group, I guess that's her group, yeah. It's called Get Back Loretta, uh, and the name of this song is called The Pretty Song, so enjoy that, and come on back, and I'll be chit-chatting with Mr. Todd Henry. Break you down for love. 
know that I should be surprised, but it's alright. And if I had the chance to take you, I know I could never let you fold it up or let it take you out. And Well, my guest today, someone very interesting, because uh, I can tell he's interested in a subject I am as well, um, Todd Henry, who's the author of a new book called The Accidental Creative, How to Be Brilliant at a Moment's Notice. I love that. Uh, this book teaches practices that help creative pros be brilliant when it counts most. How do we just get that injected into us as opposed to read it there, Todd? How fast can we get that? (laughs) (laughs) I wish you could tell me the answer to that question. But now, that is some frigging title. What made you decide that that was what you were going to write about? It's your passion, I can tell. Yeah, it really is. You know, I think, um, you know, many of us exist today in a marketplace where we're required to go to work every day and come up with brilliant solutions on demand, or as I like to call it, the create-on-demand world, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And, um, And, you know, that's all fine and dandy, except that I think that for many of us, the creative process is this mystical, elusive force that sits out there somewhere between prayer and the U.S. tax code on the ambiguity scale, right? <laughs> so you've got that, and then you, you, you layer that on top of this dynamic where we have to come to work and we're told, hey, go be creative, be innovative, come up with something new, but just make sure it's on my desk by tomorrow at noon and that sure. it meets client specs and that it's on budget and that everybody feels good about it. And, you know, it's this increasing pressure cooker that many of us find ourselves in on a day-to-day basis. So I wanted to explore what are some of the common dynamics that allow people to be creative and come up with solutions when they need to in the create-on-demand world, um, and, and are there some methods that, that allow you to do that? And that was kind of my, my main area of focus. And what I discovered, Allison, is that, uh, you know, kind of the punchline of the book is if you want to be brilliant at a moment's notice, you need to begin far upstream from the moment you need a brilliant idea. So it's really less about tips and tricks for coming up with ideas quickly and more about building practices Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. your life and an infrastructure into your life that supports your creative process so you have ideas when you need them most. So like the creative gem. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. You know, it's really about, it's a very, very similar principle in that, you know, if you want, obviously, if you want to, to get in shape, you don't just decide one day I'm going to go run a marathon, right? You exactly. have to work your way up to that. Or if you want to put on muscle, you don't just say I'm going to go do, you know, 3,000 reps, right, on, with a dumbbell. I mean, you don't do that and all of a sudden you're, you're ripped. You, it requires daily practice and you have to build your capacity and build your, your uh, ability to engage with those exercises. It's the same thing with your creative process. You need to build practices into your life that increase your capacity, that increase your ability to focus, that give you the time and the energy that you need to apply to your work. Now, did you stumble across this or did you, I mean, I have to say I have felt that because I know when I'm the most creative is when I'm the most used to it. So it comes easier. It's like exercise. So I get it. I'm, I'm with you on that. Now, did you just sort of stumble across this or said, did you say, how do I get out of you know, not feeling fast enough creative? I mean, what was the incentive for you there? Well, the incentive originally was I was leading a creative team uh, that began uh, when I was hired on as a creative team of two. 
so I was I was leading one other person, right? Uh, great team there. It's and, a good team. Uh, I like a team it, of two. It, it, it's, well, it's always good when you have exactly as many people on the team as there are supervisors. That's always a very pretty. You know, that is true. <laughs> there you everybody, go. Everybody manages one person, but um, grew the team to you know close to thirty people uh, over the course of just a very short period of time. And I was experiencing a lot of these tensions and these dynamics that I talk about of possibilities versus pragmatics. The pursuit of the possible, which is what the creative process is largely about then obviously, you know, have, uh, dealing also with the pressures of the pragmatics of budget constraints, time right. constraints, client constraints, all those things. So I started to, uh, you know, as, as my team grew increasingly frustrated with our attempts to do great work, um, you know, I continued to, uh, or I started to reach out to some of my agency friends and ask them, hey, how do you deal with these pressures of creating on demand? You know, how, how do you guys keep your team engaged and enthused? And uh, they looked back at me like I was crazy. What are you talking about? We're right. not doing any of this. We're just burning through a fresh crop every year, right? We right. bring new people in. Oh, yeah, out, yeah, yeah. Okay. Out, right? right. And, and so I, um, you know, I started looking for conversations about this, and I realized one didn't exist. There was no conversation happening about this create-on-demand dynamic. This was back in 2005. So I decided to start a podcast that would kind of be the conversation about this right. out there in the space. Kind of forgot about it. I called the podcast The Accidental Creative because um, it was about setting yourself up to experience creative accidents, right? These, these moments of aha, these creative insights. How can you set yourself up to have this more consistently? I kind of forgot about the podcast until a few months later I was surfing for a new podcast to listen to on iTunes. And I came across one called The Accidental Creative that was one of the top business podcasts on iTunes. And I thought... Oh, no, I stole somebody else's name. I can't believe I didn't check first, right, to make sure. And it was my podcast. And, and suddenly there were thousands of listeners, and I realized, wow, apparently I'm not the only one that's wrestling with these questions, Don't right? I love because, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's incredible. So, you know, quickly, obviously, formalized that conversation because there was no web presence. There was no anything, right? Right, right, right. And I, and I built a web presence around it to sort of harness the power of conversation and started reaching out to other industry pros and saying, hey, let's talk about best practices here. Let's talk about some of the things you're learning through your research um, so it's a very pragmatic approach, right, toward um, some of these things. And I began then applying those things to my team, right, and, and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. Right. Um, and that's really how I settled on the set of practices that ended up in the book, was just through trial and error, through lots of conversation with other people and kind of formulating some practices that seem to be most effective in our day-to-day operation. Now, are we then going to assume that you're sort of saying that anyone can be quote-unquote creative? I use that loosely, the people who always say I'm not creative. Right. Well, I I would argue that everyone is creative. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, anyone who has ever had to take, uh, you know, an exam in high school, right, has had to be creative. And and, uh, I think that when people say I'm not creative, what they really are saying is I'm not artistic. You know, I don't have songwriting ability. I don't have... I I can't can't draw. Exactly, yeah, I can't yeah. draw. Um, but I, you know, so then I ask them, well, let me ask you this. Do you have to solve problems every day? Right. Well, yes, of course I solve problems. I not only solve mine. Sometimes I solve other people's problems, right, right. every day. Well, well, then you're being creative because I believe at the heart of it, creativity is really problem solving. So a visual artist will solve a problem by taking 
you know, the problem itself, taking various bits of data in their environment and weaving together a visual solution that solves the problem that communicates what they want to communicate. Um, an entrepreneur might find white space in the market and create a solution that meets the needs of the marketplace. Well, that's a creative solution. It's problem solving. Right. Um, you know, in, in the same way, a visual artist, like an oil painter, there's a series of micro problems they're solving in the midst of that, that project that they're creating. You know, as the project goes, it's evolving, you're solving problems. So really, I, I don't buy the argument that I'm not creative. I do buy the argument that some people are not naturally artistic, perhaps, in, in certain ways. Right. Um, but I believe we're all creative. And not only that, but really, uh, probably more importantly, we're all required to be creative in our jobs, you know, because most of us earn our living in some capacity by working with our minds and by solving problems. So we could be tagged a creative, whether or not we intend to be a creative, we could be tagged a creative simply by virtue of the fact that we work with our minds and solve problems every day. That could scare a lot of people, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does. It's funny. Because, I you know. know. I, I come in and I'll speak to an accounting firm and I'll say, you are all creative, exactly. right? And they yeah. look at me like I'm crazy. Right, but then right. when I explain to them, okay, well, and first of all, we probably don't want creative accounting, right? That's probably not a good thing. But, you know, they, they are solving problems right. every day for their clients. They're coming up with new, you know, solutions to tax issues or whatever. Right. That's a creative act. Right. And, and so, you know, my mission in life is to help people, A, see themselves as creative so that they can begin to, to work on some of the, the things that they have to do day to day and, and do them more effectively. And, and B, help them understand that with that pressure of working with your mind comes uh, a need to build infrastructure into your life that will support your ongoing effectiveness. I love that. There's a way to stay creative and healthy. So what was your biggest aha moment when you started going into this, like figuring out, I'm just, I'm having some listening to you. I mean, just getting in touch with the problem solving part of it and the passion behind that. Yeah, I think, I think probably the, the, the biggest aha for me was that people who tend to be highly productive creatives have, a, there, are, there may be two or three uh, ticks off the grid <laughs> from the rest of us in terms, in terms of how they think about their time. Um, and meaning, give me an example. Uh, yeah, so I think I think that a lot of people tend to think about their time in terms of efficiency rather than effectiveness. So you know, it, it feels better for us to crank through an hour of email because it feels like we got something done. Uh -huh, uh -huh. But that may not be the most effective way to spend our time in terms of creating value for ourselves, for the business, for our clients. Um, and so, you know, people who tend to be highly productive tend to think about their time in a slightly different way. And I think really there, there are five areas of, of, uh, of disciplines that are five focuses. I call them elements of creative rhythm, right? Mm -hmm. um, because, because when you combine them, they sort of create this rhythm in your life, this undergirding infrastructure that supports you even when things get crazy. And highly productive creatives tend to do some of these things naturally. So I can, I can go over those five areas if that would yes, be helpful. Yes, I would okay, love to so, hear that. And, and fortunately, they spell the acronym FRESH, F-R-E-S-H, and they are Focus, Relationships, Energy, Stimuli, and Hours. Mm. Um, originally, hours was time, and my editor said, right now you have pressed, and that's not great. Why don't you change, <laughs> change time, to, <laughs> time to hours and you have fresh? So there we go. So it's spelled fresh. Um, F stands for focus. And uh, one of the dy dynamics that I've identified in a lot of places I've come in to speak or consult um, with companies is that 
there's a tremendous amount of pressure that creatives feel to produce work that hasn't really even been fully defined. Mm, so mm-hmm. a lot of times we feel the pressure to do something. Like, for example, if you're a web designer, maybe build XYZ website as one of your projects, and you feel this project just oppressing you and it's weighing on your shoulders, but you haven't really defined what is involved in building XYZ website. Right. So I encourage people to begin by establishing challenges for their projects because our minds are great at solving problems, as we discussed, but they have to be focused in the right direction. Right. So establishing a challenge means essentially establishing a question or a series of four to six questions that are sub-problems of that overall problem you're trying to solve. So you can't build XYZ website, but you can answer the question, what's the user interface for XYZ website? Right. What's the unique functionality of XYZ website? What's our target for XYZ website? You know, these are all challenges that you can actually solve. Once you begin to define the work more effectively, uh, then it's amazing how your mind sets about trying to solve those problems. I also but find that I stop sweating when I do that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing. You know, a lot of the pressure we feel is completely illusory, and it's a lot, a lot of times the result of the fact that we haven't defined our work effectively. Right. So define is the first step. And then I recommend that people refine their priorities, which means basically implementing something that I call the big three. And the big three is a set of three challenges from across all of your projects that seem to be the ones that are most oppressive at the the Mm. given moment, the Mm -hmm. ones that are gunking up your creative process, the ones that that are keeping you awake at night. So writing those down, on and I recommend on an index card, you know, I used to keep them on my phone, and then I would have to, you know, open up Evernote and then find the note, and by the time I finally got to my big three, I forgot what I was trying to do, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So just keeping them on on an index card, it's decidedly low-tech, but very effective because you can whip it out at any point. If you're walking through a bookstore, you can remind yourself of the three most pressing open loops creatively in your life. So give me an example of that for yourself so people will understand. So you would have on your card what? Yeah, so for example, and by the way, this is not a project list and it's not sorted by urgency. Right. So okay. it's not, oh, this is due tomorrow and I have to, you know, it's, it's the three things that are really the most important things in your world at any given point. So, uh, and I'll give you one example right now. Two of them are related to specific client issues that I can't really <laughs> go public about, right? Okay. Uh, that I'm trying to solve. But one of them right now is, you know, we're building out our AC Engage uh, community and we're, we're sort of changing the way that that functions, which is kind of our, our, our private coaching community for, for folks um, at Actional Creative. And uh, so one of the things I've been trying to figure out is what is the specific uh, content rhythm for AC Engage? So what is AC Engage content rhythm is one of my big three right now, specifically. Because as now, you know what, as I'm checking out Craftcast and as I'm surfing other sites, as I'm looking around, that is in front of me. So as I see how other sites are structuring their sure. content rhythm and sure. I'm experiencing things, it's kind of pointing me in that direction, right? Whereas if, if that was not in front of me, I, I might, you know, I might bounce to and fro and never really be focused on Got that it. problem. So again, and things are constantly coming on and off of the big three list too. You know, I write them now, I write them on a big whiteboard in my office at home. And I used to do that for my team as well when I was uh, still working in an organization, you know, I would have the big three written on a giant whiteboard and, and just as a way to focus priorities. So, that's a great again, idea. Yeah, and that's and it's very effective. So right. that's the big three, and that's, that's focus. Relationships is the second element. Uh, you know, we are oftentimes only engaged in relationships of obligation, like Aunt Mildred right? mm-hmm. or, uh, you mm-hmm. know, family, or convenience, people that we hang out with by virtue of proximity, like mm-hmm. at work or whatever. 
but we don't take time to build relationships that challenge us, that stimulate us creatively, that expose us to new opportunities and new ideas. So we need to build, uh, build those kinds of relationships into our life. One way to do that is by starting a circle of maybe four to six people. And you get together with your circle, and I recommend about once a month, and you answer three questions. Number one, what are you working on? So and this doesn't necessarily mean your on-demand stuff. This can also be you know, your hobbies or mm-hmm. things you're doing on the side. What are you working on? Number two, what's inspiring you right now? So what are you reading, seeing, watching, noticing, experiencing that you would like for us to know about because you think it might inspire us as well? And finally, what can we help you with? So if you're starting a business or if you're working on a particularly thorny problem, let the group know about it and then, uh, you know, and see if there's any, any way that they can help you. Or if you're starting a business, uh, you know, come back next month with the outline of a business model and yes. we'll talk about it, you know. But it's a great way, again, just to, to stay connected to people who can help you stay focused and engaged and inspired creatively. I think it's sort of crucial. I think it's sort of crucial, actually. I, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I think it's more than just a good idea. I think people just need it, period. But it's one of those things that, you know, we know. I mean, I'm not the first person to say this, mm-hmm. and, and you're not the first person to say this, but common sense is not common practice, Exactly. Right? That's so, a good one. <laughs> I think a lot of times I think we dismiss things because we think, you know, well, that's too easy, that's too simple. But some of the best solutions are the most simple solutions. We just need to do them. We need to implement them. You know what? So, I have to tell you something very funny. You'll appreciate this. And you know what I think gets in the way of implementing them is the word called work. And... I was laughing because all of a sudden I was just looking this up on YouTube. There was an, a show a billion years ago called um, Dobie Gillis and a character named Maynard G. Krebs. And uh-huh. every time Maynard heard the word work, he would squawk like a duck, work, because that was like too much. And I thought, that's what's there, that squawk of work. That's exactly right. And, you know, I mean, Stephen Pressfield has written so eloquently about this in both The War of Art and Do the Work about how the place where we feel the most resistance is probably the exact direction we need to go. That's where we need to set our bearings because there's something in us that's afraid of how great we might be if we actually tackled that, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, so we need, we need to be diligent about, to your point, you know, doing the work and, yeah, and not that's, be afraid of that. It's, a, I think, a huge thing. Okay, so now I want to go to on your Chapter 6, though, your um, energy management. I thought that was very yes. interesting. Yeah, we are wonderful at managing time, and we are just abysmal at managing energy, That's which true. means that, yeah. you know, we stack meeting after meeting after meeting, project after project, and by the end of the day, when we need a brilliant idea, we have nothing left to give right. because we're so fried. <laughs> so a couple of, you know, first of all, Tony Schwartz is kind of the, the grand master of this energy thing, and he wrote a great book called uh, The Way We're Working Isn't Working, which is re-released as Be Excellent at Anything, and he offers a lot of tactical strategies related to, you know, sleep and exercise and things like that. It's a, it's a great book. I tried to take a more macro view of energy because I think that a lot of times we, we get lost in the details and we forget the bigger picture mm-hmm. of energy management. One of the strategies I recommend is to, to regularly practice pruning in your life. You know, in a vineyard, one of the main responsibilities of the vine keeper is to regularly go in and prune out new areas of growth mm-hmm. on the vine. Um, and, and why would they do that, right? Because it's new growth. It's perfectly good fruit. Well, the vine keeper knows that if that fruit isn't pruned on a regular basis, it will eventually steal resources from the older, more mature fruit-bearing parts of the vine. And if that happens, the entire vine will begin to produce less and less fruit over time. So they need to go in and prune out this new fruit so that the old fruit can get what it needs. Well, we need to do the same thing as creatives. We need, you know, we obviously struggle with way too many 
many things on our plate, right? Way too many ideas, too many things we're trying to execute all at once. And it's a good idea to regularly go in and prune out some of these new ideas, some of the things that are inspiring us and stimulating us, but may not be necessarily appropriate right now. Um, pull them out of our life and say, okay, maybe later, right? It's perfectly good fruit, but we're not going to do that, even though it's a great idea, because we want to make sure we have the energy for the more important stuff, the more crucial stuff during the season. Um, so but that's, that's a hard concept for, for creative types, too. I call it you have to put it in the parking lot because I can't throw it away. Yeah, yeah. well, that's exactly right. And, and you, know, you don't have to throw it away. Right. You know, not now does not mean not never. Right, right, right. 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 Uh, but, but, but if you try to do everything at once, you will be mediocre at everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? and, and so that's the thing. It's about doing what you're, you choose to do more effectively. It's not saying no, it's saying not now. Right. And that, right. that is a key differentiating factor there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, don't you think also at this point in time we're like inundated with more stimuli than ever before on the planet? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And that's really, you know, that's what S stands for, of course, is stimuli. And we need to be very careful about the kinds of things we bring into our head because what we bring into our head affects our creative process. It becomes the fodder for our creative work. Um, and so a couple of strategies for being wise about the kinds of stimuli you take in, first of all, have a study plan. Dun, 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 right? I mean, most of us, I know, think we get, we, we get over that when we leave school. But, but when I say study plan, I'm not talking about, you know, going to a college bookstore and buying textbooks. What I mean is identify the curiosities in your life and then build some resources into your life to help you pursue those curiosities. It really doesn't matter what it is. As long as you're developing your brain, as long as you're nurturing new kinds of thoughts, new kinds of neural structures, so that you can make connections, right, to the work that you're doing. Um, you know, many of us stop doing that, and it's very yeah. unfortunate because we're not taking advantage of our, of our mind's full capacity. Um, you know, another strategy related to stimuli is take better notes. You know, many of us, when we take notes, we, we, you know, it's a list of facts and figures and next actions and projects and who said what, and that's fine. But, you know, a lot of times our minds are trying to send us signals in the midst of meetings, and maybe, you know, we're sitting there, we're talking about some project, and Gilligan's Island pops into my head, and I'm like, oh, that's silly, and I just move on, and I don't even think about it. Well, I need to write that down, because right, maybe right. my mind is trying to tell me something Absolutely, about the yeah. work, you know, um, but a lot of times we just forget about it, we just move on. So we need to pay attention to what our minds are doing in the midst of our meetings, in the midst of our environments, and also... As we're reading, you know, I love, oh man, there's a great passage in the book John Adams by David McCullough where he describes how John Adams oftentimes had more words in the margins of his books than were actually on the page. Yeah. Because John Adams was, was writing his responses to what he was reading and, and disagreeing with the author and all these, he was treating the book as a conversation, not as a monologue. And I think we need to do the same thing. We need to pay attention to how things we're absorbing make us feel. Don't just sit and passively absorb a TV show. Think about how it makes you feel, right? Or a book or a magazine or whatever, a conversation. You know, pay attention to those things because all of those things become fodder for your creative process. Yeah, I love that. My, yeah. and then, My brain gets a little loud sometimes, though, I have to say. The notes I could never show anyone. It would be wild looking. The Gilligan's <laughs> Island, all that would be in there. <laughs> Right, exactly, exactly. Well, I read something also I thought was interesting in your book. You were referring to Julia Cameron's um, morning pages. So you Mm -hmm. practice that. I do. I, I do something different, a slight variation on that, yeah. But, but um, this relates to the final uh, element, which is hours, which is, as we talked about before, spending your time effectively, not just efficiently. Mm-hmm. And one of the practices is something I call unnecessary creating. 
uh, which and means, I love that unnecessary creating. I love that. Yeah, you know, many times creative professionals only create when they're getting paid right. for what they're doing, sure. and so over time, your passion for your craft begins to wane because you're only doing it when somebody's paying you. So you need to build into your life practices that allow you to to do things that develop your skills, uh, that allow you to to take risks, but not in your on demand role where you might get fired. Right? Instead, you can you can take risks in your unnecessary creating time. Uh, because it's a very low-risk environment, um, you know, and you can explore new types of skills and develop your skills that can then apply to your on-demand role. And one of the ways that I do that, and, and it's very similar to the morning pages, but I have a thousand words a day mm-hmm. that I, I, regardless of how I feel, regardless of what's going on in my world, regardless of whether I feel inspired, I sit down and I try to write a thousand words a day. And you know what? When it came time to sit down and write a seventy thousand word book, that came in very handy. Mm-hmm. I was glad. Mm-hmm. I was glad I had been doing that for a long time because. A lot of the, the material I had to draw from came out of some of that stuff that, you know, it wasn't intended for anything. It was just intended to be me practicing my craft and just writing about whatever was on my mind. But that habit that I had gotten into made it a lot easier when I had to get up at 5.30 in the morning and sit for three hours at my computer and, and write every morning, you know, because I had built that practice into my life. Um, but, you know, it's important to have those kinds of unnecessary creating. And it doesn't have to apply to your day job either. You know, I have designer friends who love to garden, and that's their form of unnecessary creating. Mm-hmm. And they find incredible and creative, creative expression there. Uh, you know, same thing with some people, you know, like who, who are accountants, love to watercolor or whatever. And great, that's fantastic, as long as you're doing something that feeds your creative self and gives you expression. Yeah, I hear you. It's again, it's going back to the gym creatively and keeping that in mm-hmm. shape so that you're ready to go. I, I first, sort um, Twyla Tharp also wrote a great book on that, The Creative Connection. You were familiar with hers? And it was all about making your creative practice that way. It's, it doesn't matter if you don't feel creative, you have to sit down and be creative. Yes, exactly. And just get into the flow of all of that. Exactly right. Well, do you ever feel like sometimes, what do you do for yourself when you're saying, you know, I don't think I feel creative anymore? <laughs> Is that exhaustion you know, or do you ever hit that kind of way? I have, I, well, absolutely, yeah. I, I have found that the more I build, you know, the more diligent I am about things like having study time in my life, the more diligent I am about having unnecessary creating, about building these relationships into my life, the less and less I experience that. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and really, again, that's kind of the, that's kind of the point of the book is you know, you're not going to completely eliminate this create-on-demand pressure that you feel, but you can put yourself in the best possible position to have ideas when you need them. Um, and so that's really, you know, again, what I found is the best way to stay inspired is just be purposeful about it. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It's, my brain is already thinking differently. I also think that, I don't know if you do, I think moving um, and being physical is a huge thing as far as keeping the brain creative. Absolutely, you know, and one of the one of the strategies in the book is to put yourself in uh, uncomfortable situations. Mm. Uh, you know, to get out into. So, for example, if you know, if you uh, you know, if you're a Republican, go to a Democratic rally. If you're a Democrat, go <laughs> to a Republican rally. You know, if uh, if you're an introvert, go to a dance club. If you're an extrovert, yeah, go to a mu- go to a museum and don't talk to anyone all day long, right? If you're yeah. an extrovert, and see how that works for you. But what you're doing is you're trying out different parts of your brain. And, and, you're, and you're learning new ways to experience the world. We fall into patterns. We fall into ruts. And we need to break those yeah, ruts yeah, yeah. so that we can you know, see things from a new perspective. I love that. I call that shake it up time. That's great. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, time to shake it all up. Well, I love it. You know, this is one of my favorite topics. Um, and I also love what you talked about at the end of your book about the beavers just being a beaver. 
and it still yeah. changes the world around him. I love that. Just explain to people a little bit more about that. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, we went to a, an Omnimax movie on Beavers uh, a couple of years ago. You know, we really like to live on the wild side, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, and I was fascinated that a beaver, uh, you know, as it goes about its work, a beaver has more capacity to change the environment around it than any other creature except for, for humans. Um, but a beaver is not trying to change the environment. It's just doing what it does day after day. Right. right? But it can turn a river into farmland, or it can turn farmland into a swamp by going about its daily activity. And you know, I was just fascinated by that, and I started thinking, wow, you know, if, if I just do the thing that I'm wired to do day after day, if I just pour myself into that, find my voice, build a platform, and allow myself just to do those things consistently, regardless of my job, right? It doesn't matter if my job perfectly fits that or not, right. just go about doing those things day after day. Uh, I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would happen uh, if more of us did that. And so I call it the principle of the beaver, right? Just, I love it. Um, you know, just, just do what you do. Do what it is you do. Bring what it is you bring to the world. And don't try to be other people, but just be yourself and just see what happens. See how you have influence on the world around you. It's a great concept. I think we should make beaver pins. We should all just start a secret society wearing beaver pins. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love it. Well, I know I knew it would be great fun talking to you, Todd. I, I put up, actually, I just put it up on Twitter that came out of, I think, your book or some of the promotional material, a quote of yours, and I love it. Don't go to the grave with your best work and still inside you. Die empty. I love that. Yes. Yeah. That's brilliant. Well, it was wonderful talking to you. Again, Todd Henry, his book is called The Accidental Creative, How to Be Brilliant at a Moment's Notice, and he has a website of the same name.com. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting. Thanks so much, Allison. I had a great time. <laughs> Me too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you all enjoyed what Todd had to say. Uh, I know I did. I could talk about that subject for hours. I find it fascinating. Uh, and all of you who uh, have the iPhone app, the CraftCast iPhone app, um, it's also for droids. Uh, make sure you look and listen to your bonus bonus file, your bonus audio file, because uh, Mr. Henry was kind enough to talk to me and answer the question, uh, a great tip for what to do when you're stuck creatively, when you feel that sort of stuck feeling. It's a really, really good tip, I'm telling you. He really knows how to put it into words. So if you don't have that app, you can go over to the craftcast.com site. And on the lower left-hand side, I believe you can click there to purchase the app. But don't miss that tip from Mr. Todd Henry. Okay, so here we are, the ET uh, section of the show, the entertaining thought section or what's sort of changed in the entertaining tip section of the show. And I want to address just briefly... A question that comes up all the time um, about finding your creative voice. Oh, yes. Uh, and I find it interesting that there's always a lot of panic about, I can't find my creative voice. Well, darn it, you can't lose your creative voice. You have your creative voice. You might have to uncover it a bit, like, you know, cleaning out the closet and setting up all your supplies neatly or refine it and practice it. Uh, just like when I hear my son who has certain songs in his repertoire that he's done hundreds of times and he's refined it and crafted it so that it is has his his unique uh, voice literally uh, is easy to hear, you know. But we can't lose our, our 
own unique voice. We just have to uh, focus it. And uh, that is the theme uh, this week in the Craftcast studio, if you're if you read the newsletter, is focus. So if you're wondering, I don't have my creative voice, I can't find it. You do, you have it. You just have to spend some time focusing on it, really refining it. Uh, and these are things I will be talking about in more with lots of exercise and things uh, when Craftcast Pro launches in September. So make sure again that if you haven't, sign up for the newsletter so you can get all that information. Uh, very exciting. I love all this creative chit-chat, solving those kind of problems. So there you go. Another week here in the Craftcast studio. I hope you enjoyed my guest, and I hope you enjoyed my musical guest as well. You can check out uh, and get that song, uh, pretty song, by going to getbackloretta.com. Come on over to craftcast.com where all those links are already set up for you, so you can just click them and find everything. You can also leave me a message at 877-819-1859 or email me at allison at craftcast.com. Always a pleasure hearing from all of you, and you know what I have to say. Until next time, get your butt in a chair. And keep crafting. Just get yourself right into your chair. Come on, listen. You can learn to create something new. It starts inside you.